0: Some breaking news, some goalkeeping issues, and... Losses. Lots of losses coming in. And we're talking all about that right now on the Philadelphia Union Soccer Podcast. My name is John Jansen. You can follow me at jansen 34 My co-host, the star of the show, Joe Tansy at jtansy90 unionsoccerblog.substack.com Also, you can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcasts, whether that's uh, the Apple uh, Pod Store, whether that's Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find here the Union Soccer Podcast. Joe, there's plenty to talk about. I know you just got done with a press conference with Jim Curtin. It was announced that he was extended 2 years. So we could probably start there, work our way into goalkeeping issues and also a Nashville preview which looks like another loss on the horizon for the Philadelphia Union. Uh, but Joe, 2 years and Union uh, and, and Curtin and Union, uh keeping this marriage together, I think that's the most important.
1: Yeah. Um and, and this has kind of been the big issue, at least to some people. Not me. I don't think anybody on like the media side was concerned necessarily that this was not going to happen. Um, I know there were some in the fan base. Um, I know you and I have gotten it uh, a decent amount of it during um, post game and stuff that we did. Which, by the way, um, another piece of breaking news tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Um, we are doing a pregame show. Are we doing a post-game show too, John Jansen?
0: Um, yeah, why not? Let's do a postgame show.
1: Let's do All it. All right, we're, What'd you say so do? Break, making that doing that on the sp- fly right now. <laughs> well, you 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 sprung you sprung a postgame show on me. I um, did, I did last time around, so it's only fair. So pre and postgame shows uh, for the Nashville SC game, uh, seven forty-five uh, pregame. I know it's going up against the U.S. Men's National Team. I want to I have uh, I need to vent about that a little bit later but um 7:45 pregame show on Twitter spaces um, and then postgame show directly after the final whistle I will forego the the press conference um, and we will go right into postgame so roughly I guess 10:25 10:30 where I think we're going to hard cap it at a half an hour because uh, we, the two of us can talk and I know we we have a lot of uh, we I'm very appreciative of the input, but let's, we're going to cap it at a half an hour. We end post game at eleven o'clock. Please tune in. I will set everything up and tweet everything out um, <clears throat> this afternoon. But yes, uh, pre and post game on Wednesday, we're going to try and do this more for road games. Home game is a little more difficult because I know everybody's in the stadium um, or you know outside the stadium, bringing come in. It's it's better suited for us um, to do it. For road games with everybody at home um yes. and we've gotten more listeners let's like be frank um with road games and home games when we've experimented when everybody's us.
0: on twitter instead of at uh, super park when everybody's on twitter hanging out with us yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but it's good it's it's, it, it's a lot more it's a lot more better of an experience than just the two of us talking to talking to ourselves with five people <laughs> listening while everybody's inside super park i'm used I to just yeah, look. The two of us have done this <laughs> so long. We're like we're used to talking. We, we could just be talking to five people now on a podcast.
0: Not even. We very well. Honest. We
1: <laughs> very well could be. I'm, be not, jam- like, I'm not. counting. I'm not counting like my, <laughs> my in-laws cat or something like that. But look, it's just kind of it makes more sense for us for road games, and um, to, that's basically it. Yeah. So pre and post game. Wednesday night for the Nashville City game. A big, big road game. Oh,
0: let's not make it that big of a deal because I want to brace myself for the result. Uh, so let's not make it too big of a deal. But yes, it is. It is a big game. I mean, you don't want to go mm-hmm. down, you know, three. And I guess, you know, I know the the curtain contract we'll talk about. when. I guess we'll get all into this stuff as we talk about, you know, some of the union's problems. But look, that's two straight losses, two straight losses on the road. You've gotten outscored five to one in your last two league games. You know that's it's certainly not something we're used to seeing from the Union. This time last year, this was not happening. This was the complete opposite. Uh, obviously, goalkeeper issues are going to be number 1, and I think that's going to be pointed to because they're giving up way more goals than they're used to. And uh, we thought just with this great backline and and great defensive structure that they had that it was going to be fine with Bendick, and it's not. So, you know, how much of these issues do you attribute just to goalkeeper, and how many of these things are concerning to you? overall, and and maybe thinking that this union team has taken a, I hate to say a giant step back, but they were, you know, unbelievable last year. So, I mean, it does seem like they're going to be taking a pretty significant step back because they were breaking all sorts of records, historical season. And now it just looks like, you know, they're a, a top three to four team, at least at the moment in MLS.
1: There's so many angles of which you can dissect this, right? Because it, it, it kind of starts and ends with with Bendik right now because, I mean, the only goal I can genuinely say he, he probably wouldn't get was the first Almada goal in Atlanta. I think I can genuinely make a case that that's just a worldie it happens. Um, and look, the... It goes back to Kai Wagner being out in that situation where Nathan Harriel don't put yourself in that situation in the first place. You know, why is a, a center back not tracking Yakumakis than um, Nathan Harriel? I think that's that that blame does lie on Harriel for creating the opportunity. And yes, it was I think it was a really good sell by Yakumakis, um, but that's the position you put yourself in. Um, the second Atlanta goal, Bendek has to do better. The first two Galaxy goals, Bendik has to do far better. Um, the goal that the Ricky Pooch scores that we didn't see on Apple TV because the feed was out and um, <laughs> nobody saw. That
0: was brutal. I know that, and I, um, I don't want to go too much on it because that was the first time it happened, but yeah, it's not a, it's not a great look. I mean, your happen. broadcast
1: isn't working. It can't happen. You cannot have your live broadcast. No, it, it uh, can't. Cut out no, like to that. be fair,
0: it's the only, it's the first time really, and I've watched obviously more stuff than Union games and I've been watching all these. The first time really that's right. I, I've seen anything like that, but yeah, it was bad in the moment.
1: And it is, you're right. It's
0: it's something that can happen.
1: Yeah, but I, I think uh look that like that's gotta be it's unacceptable. Like there's there's no like we missed a goal. We missed uh, there's yeah. just absolutely nothing. And that's the and it's that was the only feed, like the radio broadcast didn't even see it either, which is uh, that that's frustrating too. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it, it flatly kind of just goes on Bendik and I think you and I more than anybody were willing to give him a small benefit of the doubt going into this stretch of games because the mistakes were just so brutal by the center backs in the Montreal and, and Orlando games. But it's very clear that the union dropped the ball, whether on not being more aggressive in convincing Matt freeze to stay, or whether it be not going after a more capable number two goalkeeper, or maybe it's internally and just failing to grasp, grasp just how drastic the drop off um, for Bendix just overall quality was like, I think there's a little bit of all of that in there. And now I'm not saying the union get points in Atlanta or LA, but if you take out the errors in LA, you're up one, nothing. It's a different game. Now Look, it's a lot more. It's a lot better if you come away with a one, one draw, um, But again, this is—we genuinely don't know. Like going back into the future, uh, into the past, and trying to rewrite history. And I even do that. So I, I always try and make sure
0: because when you know some of the goals that Bendik led up and surrendered, you know, I I think it's easy to say, well, Andre Blake would have saved those. But obviously, if Andre Blake's there, it's a totally different approach, maybe different game. So you just never know how things are going to play out. But I I think it is fair to say that Bendik was in a in a a opportunity or spot where. Andre Blake would have probably saved some of those goals. Um, and there were errors in front of Bendik, and I'm not sure if they would have been the same if Blake is there. So you you just, you never know. So the what if isn't always, well, if Blake was there, they would have won that game, or they wouldn't have surrendered all of these goals. I don't know. They probably could have, and they have before with Blake. Uh, but I, I think just if you want to talk circumstantial, those particular goals, yeah, Blake probably saves those, and the errors that were made in front of him don't look as bad, and the union maybe come away with a draw.
1: And I think this has been pointed out by not just in the, the two games earlier in the season, but by everybody. I, I had people DM me about this during the week is um, they just look like a different team. They, the, the defensive structure looks gone with Bendik there. It's a chemistry thing. I think there's a lot more trust from the center backs in Andre Blake. But it's, it's stunning. Like, I don't, I haven't seen, and this is, this is not like this is the first time we've, Andre Blake has ever been away. Like, we've seen this happen before, but I can't remember a time since Andre Blake's been the number one goalkeeper that there was this significant of a drop-off and the, the level of quality and defense dropped off so significantly too with it. Like, there was always that, and again, this to the, the McCarthy's, the, the freezes of the world that they were able to come up with a a few saves and and they make those stops that Bendik does. So I think that also plays into it, but yeah, it's bizarre. I have not seen a team that's just this lost um, without their leader in the back. And you would think that wasn't the case. You would think Lesless and Elliot would be able to to shoulder that load, but yeah, I just, it's, it's something you can obviously see with your own two eyes um, but Jim Curtin, being the coach he is, and this is part of the reason why he's been around so long, is he's not going to throw any of these individuals under the bus, whether it be Joe Bendick, whether it be Jacob Lesness, Jack Elliott, Nathan Harrell, whoever it may Matt Rial, whoever it may be. Um, it's win as a team, lose as a team. And, and look, I agree with that to a certain extent. They haven't been good enough as a team uh, in these two road games, and the performance has been unacceptable. And that's something that they realize in the locker room. But I don't know if it, if Kai Wagner being back um, for tomorrow's match against Nashville automatically changes how the back line looks.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I just what what changes can be made. Obviously, the the one thing is you get Andre Blake in that, and you know maybe everything's fine. But is that the case? I, I think what I'm trying to figure out here is have the union just taken a step back. And have they regressed from last year? You know, last year, again, historical. Like, historical year last year. It was the best union team ever in terms of numbers last year. It was amazing. And they were putting up incredible goal differentials. It was an incredible year for the union. But, you know, have they taken a step back? And how far have they taken a step back? And, you know, can all these issues be fixed in time to be an MLS Cup? team, you know, one of the favorites, as they were last year? Uh, I know, obviously, uh, LAFC was the favorite, but the Union were right up at the top as well. You know, it just... Are are the Union that team, or maybe are they... Have they taken that step back? I guess, really, I'm trying to figure out, after these two losses, how much I should look into, and really how the whole season's played out, to be honest. Uh, what this Union team really is this
1: season. That's a tricky one. Yeah, Because... There's a yes. lot. There's a
0: lot of variables that have played into this season. I think more than previous ones. There's been a lot. Yeah, absolutely,
1: absolutely. And there, the there will continue to be those as well. Which is why it's like, it's why it's this season has been a little bit um, more baffling than than others, right? Because last year was was unexpectedly that good, right? And we had this uh, high, super, super high standard going into 2023 and, um, and it hasn't been met yet We're sitting in sixth place in the East. Now that could, that could change radically. You know, I, that, It's concerning, but almost not yet because only Cincinnati has proven that they're the elite of the elite in MLS. Um, and if the 2022 version of the union shows up, heck, even once this week, Um, they're still in decent shape you would love for it to be twice and to get four points out of this this run here but it's it really is confounding because obviously you think that some regression is going to happen which by the way this is a small rant regression is only a negative term I know you and I are in the gambling business positive Mm -hmm. regression is is not a thing positive regression is not not a thing? positive regression is not a real term
0: I always that's, use positive regression.
1: Positive regression, to me, is one of the most annoying terms that people use in the gambling industry. You know, I, because, and
0: I think people use it because I'm not sure everybody is aware that regression can go both ways.
1: But see, to me, regression always has that negative tone.
0: Right. Exactly. That's why like you have I'm, to say it positively. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. That's exactly <laughs> what I mean.
1: <laughs> but like, if I'm, if I'm writing a story, I'm not saying positive regression right i don't think that's like,
0: technically correct yeah i think you're right, right. i think that's just a term that's that i that think you're right I, like, I know you're right yes
1: i think that's a term in like in our you know lexicon and i know this kind of doesn't overlap with soccer as much but like i see that like at least five times a day it's like the the the, bu- the biggest buzzword in in gambling where like if somebody says positive regression i do it all uh, that, the time i mean that too. means, that <laughs> yeah. means that you're means specifically like smartest- calling
0: me out right now you're <laughs> calling me specifically out you are and you're not just saying the gambling world you're saying john jansen keeps saying positive <laughs> regression and it doesn't mean anything which yes oh, you're probably I, I would correct.
1: i would expect i would appreciate some positive regression in your text messaging but that's <laughs> that still hasn't gotten any better <laughs>
0: what do you i think it's gotten no nah, it's probably got worse
1: i'm like oh, it, it, not I not lie. i mean yeah it's been bad Still that. i feel
0: like you got to bring this up once a show joe like the union soccer podcast like there's a bingo sheet and joe saying john doesn't text back bam we just check that one off
1: i i look i would this is just me bullying you into just to try <laughs> to respond to me within like 12 hours and i'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna beat that into your brain until you do because for college football season I'm gonna need you to respond for less okay. than twelve hours. Yeah, you're probably right. But that's that's besides the point now. But like yes, the, the team was always going to regress. Like the, the pace that they played at the second half of last season was just absurd. That everything clicked perfectly. Um yeah, there was gonna be a drop off. But I think it because that the happens all the time been, in sports, by the way. Yeah. And and here's and here's kind of the,
0: like the Chiefs aren't the, always. Uh, I know they're they're number one, but you know it's not always Patrick Mahomes' best year. You know it's not right. it's not every year he's going to have a career year. Well, he's, he's amazing, right, right? Right? He's amazing. But
1: he, actually, you could you could make that comparison a little bit to to Andre Blake, where like Andre Blake is not going to have his. Like a career year every year, but yeah. he's going to be. There's always
0: still the way it makes great him great. There's always still year. a certain sustainable level of play that's always really good and right. high end. But yeah, you're right that it's not always Andre Plates had his had his peak best. It never happens in sports that way. The best of the best, yeah. you know, uh, like Shohei Ohtani had years where he wasn't. I think even, I think last year is a good example where he had a great year, but this is obviously the peak, what he's doing in 2023. It's it's always well, an example in cause... sports that the guys, there are obviously a certain sustainable level of play. And I think the union are even, like we're talking about the union as, I mean, at least for me, I always like, I feel like I'm doom and gloom right now. If, oh, you know, they're going to be like an eight seed mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. But in reality, they're still a really good MLS team. They're just not at that peak of what they were last year. And every team goes through that.
1: I mean, to use the comparison, LAFC isn't either. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, look, look, who's on, look, look who's on top of the West right now. It's, it's St. Louis. It's not LAFC. <laughs> Come on, man. Isn't like, that weird? <laughs> that's, that's it's, still, it's still weird. That's it, still weird. Well, um, yeah, it's just like... Uh, sitting here right now, since we're, basically, we're just past the halfway point, how many Philadelphia Union players can you say with a straight face have either maintained or increased their level from 2022. I think you can say Blake has stated at least like, I and mean, Blake's floor is the highest of this entire team individually. So like Blake is going to be on that list. Um, I can, I can argue Glesnus. I don't think Martinez has, has dropped considerably. um, I think Carranza has improved. Like, I'm just going Carranza's through the but, um, like, I think Gazdag maybe it, I think, a bit of a step, because
0: Gazdag was unreal last year.
1: Maybe a little step back? I think Gazdag and Ua have both taken a small step back. Still very good, mm-hmm. but not to the, the level we apply them to. Right. Um, if you ask any form of social media, Bedoya has taken 15 steps back. <laughs> um, has he
0: really, though? <laughs> has he played enough to even <laughs> to even make a good... A good case for that, or to have
1: a. I've, I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't <laughs> because, without fail, every every match, like I like, this kind of goes back to my my Leon Flock defense yep. a few weeks ago. Where it's like every match, regardless of of what he does, and by the way, last two like this when he was on the field against Atlanta and LA. A lot more productive things than some of the other guys that, that you know don't get a, a ton of heat. Like he is just the the target of everything. I'm not saying he's he's been perfect this season, but like I look at that and I think it's I think it's stable. Like what's the what's the relative expectation for the right side of midfielder in, in a four for two diamond? Like well, what is, what is that? And I think that. Is an open-ended question for you know, whoever is out there, but I think it, it apply. I apply the same thing to to flock. Like, what's the what's your real general expectation for the a left-sided defensive midfielder or defensive-minded midfielder uh, in this formation? Like, what is? I think it's all relative to personal expectations, right? And and I guess I test, but. I don't know, man. I, I don't think he's taken a a significant drop-off where he needs to be out of the lineup forever like everyone suggests. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of just the... I think that's just the baseline criticism. Is if a guy doesn't perform well, like a, a flock and Doya I guess, are the, the two biggest instances of this where like they should sit immediately what the hell is Jim doing? He doesn't know what, what the hell is going on. Um, it's stuff like that, where it's like, well, maybe you guys are, are posting on Facebook and Twitter and he's the head coach of a MLS team going on a decade for a reason. Not saying <clears throat> Jim's perfect. Cause you know, we've criticized him many times here, but I don't know. Like I, I would trust him more than a Monday morning center back in the in the Facebook discussion group, that's for damn sure.
0: Monday morning center back. Like that's funny.
1: It, it's <laughs> it's one thing to like it's one thing to like categorically criticize a Gazdag and an UA for lack of production in, in in matches because they haven't shown up. But and because we can quantify what we expect out of a 10, we can quantify what we expect out of a striker. But we can't like, what are you going to quantify for the, yeah. the the two sided midfield? Is it like the offensive line? In a diamond.
0: Like, how are you, how can you really quantify a good offensive lineman? I guess other than like
1: right they don't and give like up and sacks in every- the
0: union, it's just don't give up goals.
1: <laughs> right, and the whole thing to me is like everybody, and this is this is a trend that has played out in soccer Twitter for a long time, where because we have so many stats at our um, at our disposal now, and look, I use them, you use them. There's pro football focuses tried to get into it, um, although I think their metrics are flawed. From based off of what they're doing, um, you know, FB ref I use a lot, who scored, I use a lot. But how can you quantify like for 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 Fords and and we'll include Gostek in, in this formation? You can look at shots, shots on target, xG per ninety, shots on target per ninety. Um, key passes if you're if you're Gazdag, like movement inside the final third, There's actual like things I can quantify with them saying, yes, there may not be scoring, but they're doing something uh, good and, and of note. In in defense, it's very clear like what the objectives are of, of Wagner and, and Baizo and of Glesnis and Elliott and Lowe when he's in there. And the same thing with, with Jose Martinez, because you can you can quantify it to what he's doing specifically and then what his opponents are doing. And there, there's heat maps and passing networks and all, you, know, you name it, you can, you can find a spin for it. And we've all done that. But those two positions specifically in, in the formation, where's your, what's your spin other than I test your personal opinion, and maybe like one or two stats that you think, you know, sways Jim's current, Jim Curtin's decision making. So that's why it's so hard for me to be like it those two positions, most importantly, I think, when you evaluate year over year, is kind of feel and also what they kind of intangibles, what they bring to the table. And I look the union lucky to have have two of those guys. I think it's um to me, my answer always would be to the people who criticize these guys and, and who, who were on Jim's case a lot um, when <laughs> saying he, by the way, he was not a, a lame duck. He was like going through contract negotiations and they just took a little longer than expected. Um, he was not, uh, turns out was not con was not contacted by the national team at all. So that wasn't even a, a thing. It was just, <laughs> they had bad games um, and they didn't last year, but I don't know, like, would you rather have, you know, Fabian is running around as a, a winger for five extra years? Would you rather pay your uh, a central midfielder however many million dollars like the Chicago Fire are? Would you rather have zero strikers like Nashville SC does and just rely solely on one player? Like, in terms of situations, and look, I'm – the union's depth is, is still an issue, but in terms of uh, starting 11, I mean, a majority of these teams across MLS would kill to have a Leon Flock and an Alejandro Bedoya, or at least one of them, or, or a Jack McGlynn um, in these spots. Like, it, it really is kind of incredible sometimes where, like, and I think this year more so that, than any year because we don't have – a. a we don't have a, a good sense of the league as a whole. You'd be lying to yourself if you do, and even the national, even if you're a national writer. So I want to go, go into this. So, right,
0: right. so I, I like that because there isn't, I feel like, a firm grasp on what the hell's going on in the league right now and how to mm-hmm. how to kind of tier these teams, meaning like where we put them in the tiers of MLS. I'm sure we could do it somewhat, but I think it's a little bit more muddied. Um, where where are you placing the Union right now? Because like, how do you feel about the Union? compared to the rest of the league and what you've seen, which obviously you just mentioned is um, we kind of don't really know.
1: Nobody knows. Look, the only people that could genuinely tell you how all 29 teams in MLS are, are playing at this point are if you're somebody who works for the league website or a dedicated national beat reporter. And those guys don't even, you know, they're not watching all 29 teams. They're watching them in in snippets like we are. Um, so they're probably count on my hand, how many, and probably just one hand, how many people each week are digging into all 29 teams and giving them like a legitimate fair shake. That's just the, the way this league is set up and the way the TV rights are set up. Um, and you don't really learn anything from watching Kayla and Kyle just dominate MLS 360 by talking over everyone. So, <sighs> I think yes I think there's just a very broad swipe of a, a second tier in MLS right now. Like Cincinnati has obviously put themselves in that that upper echelon. And and the points suggest that they're the only team right now you know with a over 2 points per game clip and LAFC would be the 8th seed in the Eastern Conference right now. So, I don't know. I, no one's great. I think Cincinnati's very good. But you take a, you take Brandon Vasquez and and Matt Miazga out of that team and, uh, and, and Brenner, and yeah, (laughs) they can, they can turn to average real quick. And if you, you take Connie Mukhtar and Walker Zimmerman out of Nashville SC, um, what happens there? Same thing with, I'm going down the list. Take Carlos Hill out of New England. You take Cucho and Zilla Rayan out of Columbus. You take Tiago Almada and Yacomakis out of Atlanta. Take Andre Blake and name your second player from the union. And these teams become very average really quick. Like That's just the reality of the league. You need your best players to be on the field consistently. And no one has the elite of the elite 11. Nobody, nobody does. But if you can, if the floor on your, I guess six to eleventh best players, is higher is higher than others, you have a chance of going really far in this league. That's it's just kind of the best way to describe it right now. Like look at Inter Miami. Can I use right. them as an example. Everything's going to change. With everything them, yeah. everything everything goes back to the Inter Miami comparison at this point because. They're dead last in the East. They're eight points back of this logjam for ninth place. Lionel Messi, obviously, very <laughs> very elite. Um, Sergio Busquets, in if he gives a damn, um, can be very effective in this league. But who's going to defend around them? Like pieces. Like I think with Miami. If, excuse me, if pieces one through four or five are very, very good, but there's no balance from pieces six to 11 on the field, team, teams and managers are, are so intelligent in this league, well, they will pick apart all of your weaknesses and they will do it very fast. And I think that's maybe what Miami is going to have to prevent against. Like, yes, Messi's going to win you one or two games. I think having Tata Martino come in as head coach with MLS experience is is a massive bonus. But the injuries have piled up immensely for, for them. So, and, and injuries have piled up across the league, too. So I think what you have to look at, and, and this goes across the league, too, is your sixth through eleven, sixth through eleventh best players in Major League Soccer uh, on a, on your starting eleven or your depth, whatever? Are they? Can they carry you on a bad night? And we're not getting that from the Union right now. Like the the two games Atlanta and LA, Andre Blake's in there, Kai Wagner's in there. Not saying they win, but like what's I guess what's the baseball stat war? Yeah. or F four or yeah. X four, whatever, whatever your wins above replacement would be. I mean, Andre Blake's might be the number one in the league. I don't know how you quantify that in soccer, but I mean, you can make a strong case he's the most valuable player in MLS year over year just because of of the drop off we've seen. And, and look, Matt Freeze was better than Bendick, but Matt Freeze wasn't winning every single. But he wasn't winning every single game that he was. He was playing. He, and he wasn't, l- but
0: I think you can say that he was, was still better. better. Okay,
1: yeah, he was still but, better. Yeah, 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 he was still better. Like that's, I think that's obvious to the eye. But in terms of like getting points, like
0: oh yeah, I, I I get what you mean there. It's not like they would get an abundance of points with threes, but look, maybe they they do take a result, you know, uh, even if it's yeah. just a draw on the road.
1: So I think to there's kind of this long ramble here is <laughs> it, it, it goes back to Jim Curtin's overriding point of win as a team loses a team. Like if, if their 11th best player on the field isn't putting in the required effort or, and you can make an argument who that 11th best player is, but if your 11th best player isn't putting in the effort and doing everything that's required of him within the system, and then the 10th best players and the ninth best player and the eighth best player. Like if those players, the back end of your starting 11 aren't performing the way they should, you're going to experience this drop off in results. And this, like, this is an across the board thing. And it's, it's, it speaks to the roster rules that, that MLS hasn't, has in place. Like, so let's use the also game. It's, as an example here, Arsenal is coming in for the All Star game, so this is a, a good team to, to point out with, with this, this little hypothetical we're going through. Our, if Arsenal plays MLS or any MLS team in a best of seven series over two weeks in any other sport, and Arsenal is required, they can't use the same starting eleven for any of the matches. They can, you know, say Martinelli or Gabriel Jesus can can start however many games, but you can't go with the, the same 11 every game and you apply that special rule. Arsenal still going to win those games because they're the depth of a premier league team, uh, a champions league level team, maybe even a, a league MX team. Maybe this applies to leagues cup. Excuse me. The depth is, is deeper and the union tried to do that this year. They, they tried to get Andres Perea, Joaquin Torres, Damien Lowe, and bring them in as, as depth pieces and make sure that that floor was significantly higher than any other team. Because if you saw what LAFC did last year, LAFC's floor was the highest of, of any team because of, of what they did in, in the summer um, and how they kind of just added layers throughout I guess, two or three transfer windows. The union tried and it hasn't worked yet with Perea barely getting on the field. Torres barely getting on the field. And that's when, when Jim Curtin says the margins are thin, those are the margins. (laughs) Like if, if Atlanta is, is playing better as a whole, if LA is playing better as a whole and the union, their floor drops from game to game and the overall floor has dropped um, a, a decent amount from last year. This is what you get, and, and this is where where you stand. So, uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but that's kind of just where the union are at within within MLS within their their structure of of transfers. And and no, it's not as easy as saying go out in the market and get somebody. I wish it was, but I mean that's. I don't know. Like, what? 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 Asking a, a fan, "What do you do?" is very easy, right? Because they'll name three positions they got to go get depth at. But if you ask Ernst Tanner and Jim Curtin, and you know they're not going to give you anything, they're going to give you the company line of, "Yeah, we're always looking, and it has to be the right fit." Well, yeah, that's what they mean by the right fit. Like this guy has to come in and not only a be good and and challenge the the guy in front of him he's got to buy into all the team concepts and be the right fit for the formation. Because how many times have we seen in world soccer where, um, a manager change or a system change just completely wrecks a a player's career. So I wish it was easy. I wish it was that easy, but, um, unfortunately it's not. And this is, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the squad barring a, a, a move outward, That this is the squad the Union won with until the end of the season.
0: I just want to ask a pretty simple, I guess, question here, but just to gauge this and just to make sure: Are the Union still a MLS Cup contender?
1: Yes, at their best, they are.
0: Yeah. Is it fair to ask that that question right now with the way that they've played? Okay,
1: absolutely. It's fair to ask that question. Um, Man, look. Again, it goes back to which of these teams do you believe is going to create separation? And look, we can be, we could be fast forward a little over twenty four hours. You could I could be talking about a completely different situation where say they they somehow get a draw in Nashville and then beat NYC at home. Well, that's a four point week, and it makes the it makes the standings look a lot better than it did. I don't know what, going into today. Going into League's Cup, I think perception is going to be everything. Now, you can't just completely blow the week. You lose to Nashville, you absolutely must beat NYCFC. Like The bare minimum requirement of these two games is is three points, and and we're banking on that against NYCFC. So if you can go out there, and and all the pressure is going to be on Nashville, and you do find a way to shut down Mukhtar – Wagner plays at his best and you limit the opportunities where Joe Bendik is vulnerable, then it it makes it, it makes it a much better watch. But the problem, the problem the union have had in these two games is their game plan has gone awry very fast. And it's Tiago Amada and and Ricky Pooch, who by the way, MLS, I don't care what the, the roster rules are like. Yes, having Lionel Messi come into the league is massive, but imagine if you surrounded Lionel Messi with two or three 22 year old South American playmakers or guys that are midfielders that could do the dirty work. I mean, my God, that would be an unstoppable force of major well, Let's not try and think about that. Or even any team. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Like, if, if you get the right combination, like look, Julian Carranza, he's a perfect example of that as well. Um, So the plan always in these types of matchups are to isolate the playmaker. And let's be honest, against Atlanta, they did a a half-decent job containing Ambada outside of the two goals. Um, There have been a lot of shots either directly at Joe Bendik or ones that are, are lower percentage, right? I mean, the XG on... Lower percentage. Is, yes, that's what I would. Yeah, do. right. The XG is is super low on the goals that um, he's given up. So there is a path. As as bad as Joe Bendik has played, there is a path to a point. Hell, even maybe a win in Nashville.
0: Because is there, no?
1: there is, okay. there is. It's, I'm, it's, I'm feeling very tired.
0: down right now with Bendik, and I, <laughs> and you, I feel look, like I. As
1: you should. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to purposely be... No, I know, here. I know. I'm this this team is that good through,
0: that like, like, they can, can do. It. Exactly. There is a blueprint.
1: Exactly. And with Wagner back, maybe that that helps that defensive structure. 100%. Because you, you have... You'll have a backup and you don't have a guy playing out of position. Like, Jim's going to go to the diamond. He's going to put his, his worker bees in there, for lack of a better term. And he's going to say, go get me a point. play," And he's going he's gonna to challenge him. Look... I think you know the cliche we make where, like, uh, coach, we ask coaches all the time, "Hey, what were the adjustments? What did you say at halftime?" Um, we've gotten to the point with the Philadelphia Union where Jim Curtin doesn't even have to say anything at halftime, and he's admitted this. Like, the players run the halftime conversation for the most part. Like, I mean, take the the four one win over Miami for example. Nobody was happy, and they were they were up multiple goals at halftime. Yeah. Uh, and and the the players took ownership of that. So maybe that was a sign of things to come uh, for Atlanta and LA. But the players have taken ownership of this. They know it's not good enough. And if they they hold these guys to low percentage opportunities, and it you apply the, the you actually apply the same strategy you use. In front of Andre Blake, that you've tried to apply and, and failed horribly, with in front of Joe Bendik, then it does become functional. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. You can come away with a point, but it speaks to like all of the cliches that we get tired of Jim Curtin saying. If you actually take them for what they are and apply them to these last two games. They're ten thousand percent true, so that that's a kind of where the the union are at right now. And it, Jim's telling the truth. <laughs> um, uh, he's not going to throw these guys on the bus. We all know that. Um, yes, we're asking him every week that that Joe Bendik uh, is he good enough? What mistakes he was making? I know I had this is my favorite type of tweet where um, fans hold the media accountable to be like. You aren't asking Jim. Well, we are. <laughs> I always Jim's love gonna, that criticism. <laughs> like Jim's gonna yeah, we're give asking. you the same. He's
0: not giving us anything.
1: <laughs> he's gonna give you the same cookie cutter answer. Exactly. Like, he's been around ten years. I don't care if you're a fan that has been around since you know, since there was a, another manager in charge, or just showed up last week. Like Jim's gonna give you the same thing, and that's what you you respect the hell out of him for is he's going to give you the same thing each and every week, and he'll, he'll give you a lot of honest answers like he did today.
0: So Nashville, you're saying what? What is your preview prediction for Nashville?
1: They got to they gotta make it a low-scoring game. They basically have to shove Nashville's way of playing just right back in their face. That's what they have to do. And if they can do that... Um, they can get a point. Hell, they can even get a, a win. Like, look, uh, the, the most optimistic, Glesniss, Elliott, Wagner, and, and Baizo, or Hariel, whoever does it right back, plays phenomenal. Mukhtar does very little. And you don't have to worry about Joe Bendik. And on the flip side, the attacking three looks much more cohesive. Now it's going to be a struggle against the Nashville team that has historically played its prided itself on on defense, and Joe Willis has some of the the best numbers um, of any goalkeeper on the league. And I know we we've talked so much about Andre Blake, about Matt Turner when he was here. I know the Revs push out Jordy Petrovic highlights on a on a daily basis. But Joe Willis has been quietly one of the best goalkeepers in the league since he's joined Nashville. And part of that is because of, of the system he plays it behind, but uh, the numbers speak to that as well, which I think is um, something we don't appreciate out of Nashville because all we do talk about is is Hani Mukhtar and, and they don't have a striker, and that's and that's pretty much it. Um, they're going to be tough to handle. But, I mean, there's a game plan there, but the game plan hasn't hasn't gotten them anywhere in the last two games. And that's the the frustrating aspect. And that's why I understand people uh, today saying, yeah, we're not going to watch tomorrow's game because Bendix and goal. And um, look, rightfully so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Rightfully so. I'm going to
1: be honest. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm
0: not, I'm not, as, and, as and tell I'm, you tell, I'm not feeling great about this game and it's going to be three saying, uh, losses in a row. And it's going to feel like the world is ending and it probably is. And Yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where my headspace what? is at. With the, right I'm, not,
1: I'm not saying anybody is is wrong in in that assessment. You're not like there's plenty of of reason to feel that way. But I'm I'm saying like this is what Jim Curtin is preaching within the locker room. The, uh, I know people may hate to hear all the. Potential positivity that's coming out of this podcast right now. There's a lot of all it all you, by the way. There. Not for me. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I would call it positivity because I don't know if like, I don't want to watch Joe Bendick make mistakes three times or like, what good does that do for me writing? Like, I'm just going to write and the same thing. I hate to say there even
0: mistakes. It's just he's not athletic enough. He's, he's just, yeah, his body just isn't, his athleticism is just not good it. enough right now. Yes. I would
1: say but, that's, that's the case. That's what it is. The game is has caught up to minute. That's fine. Like, I don't think happen. he's doing
0: anything particularly wrong or in bad position. I just I don't think he's good enough to block even right. some of these low percentage shots anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it exposes the flaw in the unions in their whole system to make that that floor raise it where it's kind of been dropped a little bit. It's kind of. Can
0: we, can we do a Every, surprise Union Soccer Pod appearance from Sean Brace right now? I only think one of these might be going to work um, if Sean Brace mm. wants to at least scream something to the Union Soccer Pod folks.
1: Jim Carton forever! <laughs> Jim Carton forever. That's Sean Brace's... Uh, that's, uh... That's, right, that's right on brand. Does, does he have a...
0: That's right on brand! <laughs>
1: All right, is, is, let's, those uh, are the most most words Sean Brace has said on the on the podcast. Yeah, it's been uh, a while since season. Sean
0: Brace's voice has been heard on this podcast, so that's good to hear. All right, so let's let's wrap it up there. I think we gave all of our thoughts. We did our Ben Dick thoughts. Uh, ben Dick thoughts. I always, gosh, I'm always struggling with his name. You always, screw it's so up. easy. Yeah. Oh, uh, so we got goalkeeping thoughts. You screw that up
1: as easily as Joe Jim. A I know. Goal. I know. I don't get
0: it. <laughs> Jim Curtin thoughts. Uh, we got all of it. So, Joe, what do you have coming up on the Substack that everybody can, or the blog? Should I just say blog? What do you have coming up on the blog that people can look forward to?
1: Oh, uh, look! I know. I say this every podcast: subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. But subscribe, subscribe, <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. I'm actually in the middle of typing up everything from that Jim Curtin said uh, this afternoon. And on top of that, I know he's not the most popular guy to the fan base right now, but I actually had a very um, extended talk with Alejandro Bedoya last week. How is he not popular uh, with the... I don't... What? Is what? that bad right now? On field. Maybe maybe I read the Facebook comments too much. Yo, you're reading
0: (laughs) Facebook comments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're getting into the weeds (laughs) there, buddy.
1: So... Anyway, I'm going on vacation next week, a very much needed vacation, actually leaving right after the NYC game and not coming (laughs) back until League's Cup. So uh, UnionSoccerBlog.Subsect.com will have a feature on Alejandro Bedoya um, and maybe one or two other players uh, next week while I'm uh, enjoying the beach and not talking to any of you about (laughs) soccer.
0: Nice. Oh, that's that was very. So
1: there will be no po- nice there will be no podcast next week. There will no be no podcast next week um, unless unless we I do one with like Sean one. or something. Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll figure uh, that out.
1: Yeah, or we or we do one pre NYC, uh, depending on how dire straits we're, we're in. But yeah, um, please subscribe. Five dollars a month, forty a year. Um, lots of features coming up ahead of League's Cup All Star Game, which. You know, don't watch the MLS All Star Game. It's, it's a bogus exposition. It's don't watch any All Star Game. Yeah, I'm probably not going to watch the MLB All Star Game tonight anyway.
0: No, um, I will be go. I will. I will go see Mission Impossible: uh, Dead Reckoning Part
1: One. So skills, I'm to- skills, compet skills, comp- skills competitions are infinitely better than All Star Games. Yes, that's um, a great. Yeah,
0: that's 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 good.
1: All right, let's wrap. Which, by, this by the up way, period. Jose, Mar- Jose Martinez. Real quick, Jose Martinez should have been in that shooting competition. I don't care who is better, who's a bigger name. Yeah, I just want to see Brujo just try and like start peppering shots. Yeah. 40 yards. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to see
0: that? All right, that is it for the Union Soccer Pod. You can follow Joe at jtansy90. You can follow me, John Jansen, at jjansen34. Union Soccer Pod can be found anywhere where you get your podcasts. We'll be back, not next week, unless I do some surprise thing. Uh, Probably not, we'll see. But also, pregame as well for the Nashville game and also postgame on Twitter Spaces. So be sure to check that out, again, at jtansy90. I'm sure Joe will post all the Twitter Spaces stuff there. That is it for the Union Soccer Pod. We'll be back in a couple of weeks here on the Union Soccer Pod.